It's been a slow news season the past month or so in China tech after the latest Singles Day in early November. E-commerce live streaming continues to dominate the headlines, but we covered that just a few episodes ago, so we figured we'd give it a rest until more substantial developments accrue in that space. It hasn't been slow for us here at TechBuzz, though. We've been really busy preparing for our second investor trip for March 2nd through 6th of next year. If you are a full-time investor with at least 10 years of experience, consider applying for the trip by writing us at rui at pandaily.com. Last time, Billy Billy was actually one of the companies we visited, and it turned out to be one of our most highly rated meetings in terms of learning. So we hope you enjoy what we've prepared today. It's one of those Chinese companies that's got no easy Western comparable. With live streaming, gaming, professional long-form video, user-generated content, all under one roof, and a very unique, hyper-engaged user base. It's also making some bigger moves. It was in the headlines this last week for paying $113 million for the Chinese broadcast rights for the next three League of Legends championships. That's not global, just in China. Bold move, and somewhat unexpected, especially the final price tag. I mean, the company does have a solid eSports business and owns two teams, but that's quite different from the narrative it's been selling which is that it's the YouTube of China. Anyway, depending on what you think YouTube is, you may or may not agree. But either way, Billy Billy is doing some interesting things and is totally worth keeping tabs on. Especially if you want to know what China's Gen Z are doing. Bili Bili, Douyin, that's TikTok China, and Kuaishou are the three big 100 million plus MAU companies who have at least three quarters of its users below the age of 30. And in China, there are 230 million people under the age of 30. And just like in every other country, most of these people don't really remember a time without the internet. And some of them have never been without a smartphone which means that they live very different digital lives from those of us who do predate the World Wide Web, like myself. Trust me, if there's anything we learned while researching for this episode, it's just how different we are, Gen Zers and non-Gen Zers. The president's key economic team goes to China. Uh, After a whole night thinking, I say I still want to do it. Hi, everyone. We are Tech Buzz China by Pan Daily, powered by the Seneca Podcast Network by SubChina. We are a bi-weekly podcast focused on giving you a peek into what's buzzing within the tech community in China. We uncover and contextualize unique insights, perspectives, and takeaways on headline tech news that don't always make it into English language coverage, so you can be smarter about the world of China tech. TechBuzz China is a part of Pandaily.com, an English language site that tells you everything about China's innovation. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Ray Ma. And I'm your other co-host, Ying Ying Lu. We'd like to acknowledge our partners, Deal Street Asia and SEP China, 
the creator of the Seneca Podcast Network. In addition to Tech Buzz, you can also find Seneca, which covers current affairs, Nui Voices and Ta for Ta on Women, the business-oriented China Econ Talk, and the Caixin Seneca Business Brief from China's leading business magazine. If you ever wanted to visit China and explore the local tech world, but simply didn't know where to begin, check out Deco China, a one-week immersive trip into China's tech scene organized by Pan Daily, from January 13th to 19th of next year. More information and applications are now available at decode.pandaily.com. Finally, last piece of housekeeping: we received the best Thanksgiving present ever, which was to top a hundred ratings on the Apple Podcast US Store. Thank you so much to the forty-two individuals who took the time to also write detailed reviews. We read every single one, and we do take your feedback very seriously. As promised, we drew three names at random and are pleased to announce the winners of our holiday giveaway. Popcorn tracks with a Z and Emma Tai in New York City. Please email us at rui at pandaily dot com asap to claim your gift. As for our Android and non-US supporters, no worries. We will have additional promotions soon. Oh, and one more thing before we start. We want to tell you about a brand new master's program nearby at the University of San Francisco. USF's Masters in Applied Economics combines econ training with the practical skills and data analytics that you really need to understand today's new digital economy. Their curriculum covers skills like R and Python, machine learning, and experimental design. To learn more and to get a fee waiver for the fall 2020 class, please go to usfca.edu/techbuzz. So before we start trying to explain Billy Billy's business, let's set you straight with some super basic facts. The company was founded a decade ago in 2009 and went public in March of 2018. Its current market cap is about 5.5 billion dollars. Last 12 months' revenues are about 800 million, and top line growth is still over 40 percent, but it's still heavily loss making. With operating margins of negative twenty plus percent. For perspective, that's somewhat better than an ITE, the Chinese online video company, but not as good as the profitable Huya, leader in esports live streaming. Although neither, of course, make for great comparables. And what does this loss-making but not too unprofitable company do, or at least purport to do? Well, according to its IPO prospectus. The company describes itself as the quote iconic brand of online entertainment for young generations in China. End quote. In China, under 30 or those born after 1990, the 90 后 are considered the young. And at IPO, over 80 percent of Bilibili users were in this demographic. A small footnote here for our precision-loving listeners. We sort of use the term "jiling ho" or "post '90s" and Gen Z interchangeably because that's how the company defines them in their investor presentations. However, it is true that most Western sources demarcate 1995, six or seven, as the beginning of the Gen Z cohort. So there's a discrepancy of at least five years here. So Gen Z should really be post '95 or 95 ho, which is indeed a grouping that is used in China, 
but is not nearly as popular as the decade-wide designations, i.e. the post-80s, 90s, and 2000s. But in this case, I think the approximation is acceptable. There are some differences between the post-90s and post-95s, but they still share many similarities. As you'd expect, they make up the most socially responsible, least homophobic, most fitness-conscious, most affluent, and also the generation most into self-expression and happiness in China. Those last two are especially important to Bilibili, whose core businesses are, in order of revenue share, mobile games at 50%, live streaming at 24%, advertising at 13%, and e-commerce and miscellaneous at 12%. But I would encourage you not to fixate too much on these numbers because as you'll see, this is a company that's somewhat in a state of transition and is experimenting with quite a few things. Indeed, if you looked at its statements from just two years ago, you'll see that the company made more than 80% of its revenues from gaming, which might have led you to conclude it's a gaming company. A very fast-growing gaming company, actually, since revenues grew by more than 20 times from 2015 to 2017. Okay, so now you might be wondering, why would this company that derives so much of its revenues from gaming be trying to call itself China's YouTube? To understand that, we have to go back to the beginning the very beginning. Let's start with the name. Have you ever wondered what the name Bili Bili, or actually Bili Bili in Chinese, even means? Because it's not a Chinese word. It's not actually a word in any language. It's just a sound. You see, Bili Bili was originally named Miku fans. Miku refers to Mikoto Misaka, a main character from this manga series called A Certain Scientific Railgun. Bili Bili is the sound she makes when she shoots her weapon, and it's also the nickname given to her by fellow superheroes. We aren't telling you this because it's a cute side story. It's actually central to Billy Billy's success. You see, if you understood the reference and didn't have to Wikipedia it like we did, then you would have been an early adopter of the platform and maybe become its current CEO because that's what happened. So let's go back in time to 2007 when there was an explosion of online video sites in China, like Tudou and Youku, who all launched right on the heels of YouTube. Thanks to eager VCs, all of these companies raised a good amount of funding to cover bandwidth costs and grew quickly. Actually, uh, the video craze was pretty global, but most of these sites in China were just platforms and not very interactive. They had animation content, but not an audience that was you know, interacting with each other and actively growing the community and uploading content. Billy Billy was the opposite. They focused on building community, especially groups of uploaders called upzhu, versus acquiring, distributing, or making content themselves. Community. You're going to hear that a lot in Billy Billy's strategy, and I think it has everything to do with these first few years. For quite a while, these other well-funded video websites allowed you to link to them directly. And so that's what many Bilibili Upjul did, which presumably allowed them to save a lot of bandwidth costs. But if you were just going to go somewhere to view a video, why would you go to Bilibili versus some other place? Or just go and find the pirated DVD somewhere for that matter? The answer is, of course, 
community. And AC Fun was one of the first to do it successfully via method that everyone eventually copied. If the site sounds familiar, it's because we have talked about it before in our episode on gaming live streaming. But anime, comics, or AC Fun was basically the impetus for the birth of Billy Billy. Known colloquially as A Gen in Chinese or Station A, it is still around, having bounced around a few owners and most recently landed in Kwai Show's lap. But it ultimately lost to Little Brother Billy Billy or B Gen, Station B. The key innovation that AC Fun brought to the table is Dan Mu or Bullet Screen. To be clear, they didn't invent it. In fact, they themselves copied it from a Japanese website called Nikoniko, which is now a top 10 website in Japan. Nikoniko was apparently the first to build a tool that synced user comments to the video being played, and then overlaying these comments directly onto the video so that users can interact with the video as they watch it. So, creating sort of a shared viewing experience. It's honestly a bit weird the first time you watch such a video, especially if it's very popular. Because the entire screen might be overlaid with user comments, making the actual video kind of hard to watch. But it's also true that, as ugly as it is, you definitely do feel like you're watching it with other people. Kind of. Nikoniko was launched in December 2016, and AC Fun's bullet screen functionality went live in March 2008, just 15 months later. So, paying attention to international goings on in tech definitely pays off. And it's taken 10 years, but bullet screens are all over Chinese video sites now. I got forwarded a Peking University professor's talk recently, and it had a Danmu on it, for example. But in the beginning, What it did was activate and engage in a really intense way this niche community of anime fans, one of whom was a gentleman by the name of Xu Yi, founder of Billy Billy. Xu Yi was born in 1989, making him just 30 years old this year. He was born in Zhejiang, one of the wealthiest provinces in China. Zhejiang borders Shanghai, and its capital is Hangzhou, home of Alibaba. His family isn't that wealthy, at least according to him, but seems to be sufficiently well to do that it doesn't seem like they prevented him from doing a startup straight out of school 10 years ago, which definitely would have been considered very risky and un Chinese. He also wasn't a particularly good student, which is another anomaly about the Bilibili story, since so many of the founders we've talked about on Tech Buzz were some kind of child genius. To be honest, it's not clear that he had any talents except being a hardcore anime addict. Very hardcore. So when AC Fun was launched, he became a top user and collected a lot of fans. In 2009, frustrated that his beloved community was poorly run and its website constantly crashing, he left to create his own, calling it, as we've said before, first Miku Fans, then Billy Billy. At first, he didn't intend for it to take over his life, nor meant it a serious competition to AC Fun. In fact, he and others called Billy Billy AC Fun's backyard garden, content to play a supporting role to Big Brother A. Jun. But it was rumored that AC Fun's management team wasn't getting along, and before he knew it, 
Bijan was getting more and more traffic. And so not only did he end up quitting his job to work on it full time, but he had an unsolicited offer for investment from an angel investor he really liked, a guy named Chen Rei. Chen Rei. Same Rei as me. It's pretty safe to say that if there is no Rei, there is no way Billy Billy would be what it is today. And Ray is somewhat of an anomaly too, at least for this industry. He was born in 1978, a lucky year, as he's acknowledged, because it meant that he graduated in 2000 and was a participant in the first dot-com boom, during which he met and worked alongside many of the other major players in China tech. But that also makes him part of Gen X. He's not even a millennial, and very far away from Gen Z. So. How did he even discover Billy Billy and Shi Yi? Well, just because you're Gen X doesn't mean you can't love anime and love anime. Chen Rei did. Remember when we said that if you knew the origins of the name Billy Billy, you might become the CEO one day? That's exactly what happened. That was the question Chen Rei asked Shi Yi when they met in person for the first time. Is the site named after Miku? And from then on, Xu Yi had no doubt that Chen Rei was the right person to come and help him with Billy Billy. Before Billy Billy, Rei had your typical China big tech career track. As we've already said, he was born at the right time because his first tech job was at Kingsoft, one of the earliest software companies in China. He got to know Lei Jun there when he was CEO, and Lei Jun, by the way, is still chairman of that company. There's definitely a sort of Kingsoft mafia in the China tech ecosystem, and Chen Rei is one of its most successful members. Yeah, Rei was a sub 100 employee at Kingsoft, and he was employee number three at Cheetah Mobile, a spinoff. Both of these companies IPO'd while he was there, which meant that he was living comfortably and didn't have to worry about money. And actually, he was never poor anyway. Even in high school, apparently he had his own PC and used a properly licensed version of Windows, not pirated like everyone else at the time. That's a funny example, but it also shows that he was ahead of his time in many ways, more Gen Z than X, even all those years ago. It wasn't like he didn't think the investment was risky. He did. He's been pretty open about the fact that he had no idea how big Billy Billy could get when he invested, but he just loved anime too much, so much that originally he actually wanted to build a competitor. But when he asked his friend, the founder of Sogo, for advice, his friend said, "Hey, why not just invest in it?" And that's what got him to send that first cold email to Shi Yi. Starting the conversation that would eventually have him joining as CEO and becoming its largest shareholder. At over 21% ownership, Chen Rei, who joined the business purely because it gave him joy, is now a legit billionaire. Again, that's Gen Z decision making at work. But don't think that Chen Rei just thinks of his job as a passion project. Clearly, we are talking about a public company here with almost a billion dollars in annual revenue. So, how did it get from an anime interest site to the scale that it is today? Well, at least part of the answer is that it got lucky. It was always good about taking the pulse of its Gen Z users, and it found a franchise that synced. Very, very well with its fans. That franchise was Fate Grand Order, 
a mobile role-playing game that is itself based on a Japanese visual novel and game. Haven't heard of it? That's all right. All you need to know is that since its launch four years ago, it's estimated to have grossed over $3 billion worldwide across Apple and Android devices. And in 2016, Bilibili signed the exclusive rights to distribute it in China. Now, most of the revenues for the game are still from Japanese players, but China is the second largest market, and it's turned out to be a home run for Bilibili. In 2017, more than half of its gaming revenue, which effectively meant more than half of its total revenues, came from Fate slash Grand Order. You could argue, as some have, that the Bilibili IPO was less of an IPO of Bilibili than it was of its FGO contract. Ouch. But not untrue. And it's not like the company's unaware of this. It's since then signed numerous other games and actively grown its other businesses, including its fastest growing segment, e-commerce. That was probably the successful result of selling an 8% stake to Alibaba at the end of 2018 and entering into a partnership with Alibaba's Taobao platform. The official announcement says something to the effect of, Taobao will now try to connect Bilibili influencers with merchants who can help design and make stuff that young people will want to buy. Not just any stuff, though. Artsuyuan stuff. That's another key concept that's central to Bilibili's success. Artsuyuan could kind of literally be translated as two-dimension or 2D, but really just means fantasy. It came from the fact that Japanese animations were all two-dimensional, in contrast to the 3D world that we live in. I know, no duh. But it's not really referring to the art style, but to the concept of an idealized fantasy world, quote-unquote, that exists in these animations, where everything is beautiful, neat, cute, and perfect. And it appeals to the idealistic, dare I say, escapist mentality and Gen Zers especially. In terms of products though, if you did a search on Taobao, it would look like what you would expect. Anime-inspired cutesy items, from t-shirts to portable batteries. Alibaba insists that the number of fun arts UN users on Taobao, which I'm just going to translate as anime slash fantasy and related, is already over a hundred million. Not insignificant when you consider that Taobao has 600 million or so users. So that's like one-sixth? Certainly something to pay attention to. And Alibaba isn't the only one paying attention, of course. Tencent has also put in serious money into, into Bilibili, also playing the We Love Artsuyuan card. In fact, the Alibaba announcement was somewhat of a surprise because Tencent put in its investment first, owning now about 12% of the company. The Tencent angle is easy to explain too. Bilibili now licenses and co-produces much more content than it used to. Tencent does this on a much bigger scale. They could share licensing arrangements and make stuff together. I think however you slice it, whether it be demo or artsuyuan, what Billy Billy has really is just its young users. And they just built the community really slowly before they went about monetizing it. Probably partly because they saw how quickly it can all fall apart if you don't take care of your users, like AC Fun. 
And at least so far, the 12-month user retention rate of Bilibili supports their story. It stayed remarkably stable at above 80%. That's pretty high. Just for comparison, ITE, a Netflix-like service in China, or as Bilibili would say, not a community, is only at 30% or so. Let us explain to you how seriously Bilibili takes its sense of community. While you can indeed register a handle with just a valid phone number, your membership is of the basic or restricted variety until you are either gifted a full official membership from another official member, or you get at least 60% right on a 100-question quiz. Until then, you can't upload anything. Apparently, in its early days, the quiz will be pretty much impossible to pass unless you were a hardcore anime fan. They've dumbed it down significantly since then, and let me tell you, it was still no trivial matter. The first dozen questions were pretty easy, mostly around the site's own features and policies, such as understanding which comments are appropriate, which are flag-worthy, and how to report questionable behavior. But then you had to choose subjects you were knowledgeable in, and were tested on these. We picked tech, entertainment, and literature, mainly because the other ones looked impossible. The questions we were asked ranged from when the first router was created, to filling in missing lines of famous Chinese poems, to the song that was played during the dramatic death sequence in Breaking Bad's series finale. That was a question that put us over the 60% mark, by the way. And the correct answer is Baby Blue. Obviously, we had to Google it. This is interesting, right? Whereas most consumer internet companies are focused on trying to make their user registration process as easy and frictionless as possible, the consensus is that Billy Billy simply cannot do so, or else it would violate the unspoken social contract that it has with its users. Yeah, the Bilibili community is not exactly elitist, but it does require showing dedication and subscription to a certain culture. Without enforcing that shared understanding, existing users might revolt. They may no longer contribute entertaining tanmo bullet screen comments or take hours to make hilarious guichu videos, which are, by the way, an entire category on the site and is translated in their perspectives as auto-tune remixes. Okay, I like legit did not know this was a big thing before doing this episode. But I was familiar with a lot of the memes in Chinese gift culture. And this category is probably one of the best examples of Billy Billy's unique content and outsized influence on Chinese internet meme culture. It does indeed have a very talented crop of updru or creators. But is it going to be able to keep all of them? Every other platform like Douyin and Kuaishou are giving their creators an opportunity to make good money, many through outright subsidies. Is Bilibili going to be able to keep all this talent when it's been much more focused on the user experience than on monetization? I mean, it doesn't even do pre-roll or any kind of in-video advertising. The advertising is on the webpage as a banner ad or in the app as sponsored content itself, so you can't just sit there and collect ad revenue on your videos as a creator. Nope, you have to work at it. You can make sponsored videos, get tipped, or use your videos to drive offline sales, like if you're a musician and you want to sell concert tickets. But Billy Billy really doesn't make it easy. 
So that's one way where it's definitely not like YouTube. Keeping it ad-free and having all these hoops you have to jump through to become a full member, though, hasn't saved Bilibili entirely from the problems that plague the rest of the internet. The abusive behavior that you see on other websites, well, basically everywhere on the internet, as the rules became more relaxed, more and more of the riffraff got in. So then the community just became more and more like any other one online. That is, there's trolling, insults, bullying, spam, you name it. Now, it's probably still magnitudes better than some of the other stuff out there, but some fans are concerned that Billy Billy is trending in the wrong direction. The question is whether or not they are frustrated enough to consider leaving. And even if they leave, whether or not that will even matter. The super hardcore, long-term Billy Billy user, the anime and comic super fan, that's not a very large audience. Maybe Billy Billy can just replace them with less civilized but equal revenue generating users. Now that the biggest pieces of its site are gaming and lifestyle content, does it make sense to keep the traditions that were made for its original anime fan base? <laughs> the answer seems to be probably not. According to a recent speech by Ray Chen on the company's 10th anniversary, there are some changes on the horizon. Ray doesn't give that many interviews, but the conclusion of this one was that Billy Billy is at a do or die juncture in this life cycle. He said that the company must get to at least 10 billion RMB in revenues, that's about 1.4 billion in USD, in order to survive. If it seems arbitrary to you, the explanation is that he has not seen any content platform in China under 10 billion USD in market cap live. I'm guessing then he applied a revenue multiple to arrive at that 1.4 billion in revenue number. He doesn't provide any basis for these numbers, so we're not sure where he's getting his conviction from. But it is not rare for Chinese CEOs to get very dogmatic like this about their view of their industry and to get stuck on specific numbers. Or maybe it's all that pressure from the public markets that's getting to them, as they see one downsized Chinese tech IPO after another and lackluster performance from their peers. Yeah, we saw another slow growth company take this route of publicly declaring a big, hairy, audacious goal recently. And that was Kuaishou with its 300 million MAU target, which we covered in episode 55. Just like Kuaishou, by the way, Billy Billy has also been accused of being a Fuoxi, or Buddhist company, which is just a nice way of saying that they're too relaxed and complacent and just not aggressive enough. By announcing this near doubling of both revenue and market cap, Bilibili is trying to discard its Zen image and get itself into the ranks of ByteDance. Will it work? It's hard to say. But I think it does mean that he's readying existing users for some potentially drastic changes to the product. In fact, some users are speculating that pre-roll ads are coming. Or further membership tiers. When they pushed that out three years ago, by the way, people weren't that happy. I mean, I'm not sure how I feel after learning that we didn't actually have to pass that exam to have a lot of the VIP benefits, like having emoticons in our comments. We could have just paid $20 for an annual membership. It's on sale right now, by the way. But what was I thinking? That we live in an Art Suyuan fantasy world? Nope. 
let's get back to reality. Time to wrap this up and summarize what we learned today. Yeah, so today's episode was on Beely Beely, which was founded a little over 10 years ago and IPO'd last year on the NASDAQ. It's about $5.6 billion in market cap, almost a billion dollars in revenue, and is not yet profitable like many Chinese tech companies. Also, like many other Chinese tech companies, it's still growing quickly, both in terms of top line, that's 72% this past quarter year on year, and a number of users, about 40% or so. But we aren't here to do financial analysis on Billy Billy. If you want that, you should look up the reports of one of the over 20 equity research analysts covering them. What we did instead was take you through the founding story of how founder Xu Yi, a hardcore anime fan, launched the community after he got frustrated with AC Fun, one of the first dedicated anime and comic video sites in China. AC Fun, if you'll remember, copied Danmo or bullet screens from a Japanese site. Bullet screens are a way of allowing users to put comments on the videos they're watching to create a shared viewing experience, and Bilibili copied it as well. But because it focused on community so much and deemed participant quality as so important, Bilibili had new users pass a test before they could have full functionality within the site. So as you would expect, user growth didn't happen at the rates that you see today with some of the newer consumer services. It was also relatively slow to monetize. And as late as four years ago, it barely did $20 million of revenue per year. All of this we can blame on the fact that their two main executives, Xu Yi and angel investor turned CEO Chen Rei, were hardcore users themselves and didn't seem in a hurry to build the biggest business. It's also just confusing how to monetize from young Gen Z anime fans, especially when these fans contributed so much of the content themselves. That, by the way, is one of the main reasons Bilibili compares itself to YouTube, because over 85% of Bilibili's views are from its professional user-generated content, meaning that it has a really high-quality base of creators. But then in 2016, it signed an exclusive agreement to publish an anime-based game called Fate Grand Order. And that's when its fate changed. It went from a $20 million revenue company to $300 million in two years on the strength of this game. And since then, it's been trying to diversify away from its two hit games by growing other businesses, with some pretty good success actually. Live streaming, advertising, and e-commerce now make up about half the business instead of one-sixth. But that's what makes it hard to answer the question, what is Bilibili really? The CEO thinks it is both a video platform and an interest community. Whatever it is, it's got one in three Gen Zers under the age of 30 in China active monthly on its platform, spending an average of 83 minutes per day. And that's why it's been one of the few companies who've received investment from both Tencent and Alibaba, collaborating with the former on content licensing and production, and with the latter on e-commerce and merchandising. If you want to understand the Chinese Gen Zer, it's probably important to take a deep look at Billy Billy along with Douyin and Kuaishou. It's why we included it on our TechBuzz investor trip this past quarter. And let us just say, 
it really feels like a different company from the other ones we visited. Employees seem way more relaxed, and a few were also dressed up in anime cosplay, Artsuyuan style. So, it's good to know that even though it's 10 years old, Billy Billy is still being made for fans by fans. But as their CEO recently announced, the company must double its revenue or risk becoming obsolete. Will it be able to retain the same sense of authenticity and close connection with their fans that they've been able to build over the years? Or will it have to push monetization hard on its users and become profitable at all costs? Because after all, we do live in a 3D and not a fantasy world, right? What do you think? Let us know. Okay, that's all for this week, folks. Thanks for listening. We really enjoyed putting this together, as usual, and we are always open to any comments or suggestions. You can find us on Twitter at ThePanDaily, at TechBuzzChina, and my personal Twitter account is R-U-I-M-A. And my Twitter is spelled G-I-N-Y-G-I-N-Y. Tech Buzz China by Pandaily is powered by the Seneca Podcast Network on SubChina. Pandaily.com is an English language site that tells you everything about China's innovation. Our producers are Sha Wan and Kaiser Guo. Thank you for listening.